Well, we made it. America's still alive. No more political advertisement on TV. No more of that stuff on Facebook. One lady posted, uh, what an incredible year. The Chicago White, or the Chicago uh, Cubs, I almost said the wrong one, win the World Series. Donald wins president. And that must mean the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year. (laughs) We're in Joshua chapter 5 this morning. I'd like you to turn to Joshua chapter 5, the sixth book of the Bible. On Wednesday nights, we're doing a Bible survey series that I've called Peaks. And essentially, we're going through the Scripture. We're exploring the mountaintops of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, looking at the mega themes, the major events, the major players, the main doctrines in Scripture. And I had something planned for this last Wednesday, but I decided to hold it to this Sunday. So I think it's more relevant um, considering what we've all been through this last week and with the election. And I think we have a very beautiful picture before us here in Joshua chapter 5. So we'll get back to the book of Acts next Sunday. But this morning we're at the end of Joshua chapter 5. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that you're in control. We acknowledge, Lord, there's a lot of tension in our country. But, Lord, as your people, we trust you. Lord, I pray as your people, we would have the right attitudes, a Christian attitude. Father, I pray that our priorities would be straight. That our actions would be fitting as those who follow you. Bless this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you look right at the beginning of verse 13 of Joshua chapter 5? It says, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. Joshua was by Jericho. In this passage, Joshua is all by himself. He's up on a hillside. And he's overlooking that very intimidating city of Jericho. And I want you to understand this morning that he was under tremendous pressure. Joshua was facing incredible challenges in his life, not only personally, but as the representative of the nation that he was leading. Joshua here has just become the leader of the nation of Israel. He's just been elected president of Israel. 
And I believe on that mountaintop overlooking that city, he's feeling the weight of the responsibility on his shoulders. The sobering position that he has. And it's my belief that he was lonely up there. Harry Truman said to be president of the United States is to be lonely. Very lonely at times of great decisions. And here's a man at the top of that hill looking over Jericho about to make some very important decisions and I think he's lonely. He's a little bit intimidated. Also understand that Joshua has just taken over for one of the greatest leaders the world has ever known, Moses. Moses had been leading the nation of Israel. Moses is the one who brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt across the Red Sea to Mount Sinai. Moses received the law. Moses led the nation of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses was a mighty man of God, a great man of God, a tremendously effective leader. Joshua is taking over for him. Joshua is being asked to step into some very big shoes. And I can see him at the top wondering, will I be as good as Moses? Will God be with me as God was with Moses? All of these thoughts going on in his head. And then to make matters even more serious here, folks, this brand new leader, Joshua, is about to lead his nation into war. He's getting ready to send his men into war, onto the battlefield. God has given them the promised land. God has commanded them to cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land. Well, there's Canaanites in that land. It's occupied. There's going to be bloodshed. Swords are going to be drawn. What a tough place. To me, I think that would be the most sobering aspect of national leadership. To send men and women into war. Now, I don't think you take that decision lightly, and I don't think any leader ever should. General George Patton in Sicily, when he was praised by somebody for his courage and bravery, he replied to that group that had gathered, Sir, I'm not a brave man. The truth is I'm an utter craven coward. I have never been within the sound of gunshot or in sight of battle in my whole life that I wasn't so scared that I had sweat in the palms of my hand. War serious. Schwarzkopf, in an interview with Ted Koppel, said, I would never want to serve under a general who enjoyed war. Very serious situation. Joshua is about to send his men into war. 
And understand this, he would be facing some very intimidating people. The Canaanites were a wicked bunch. They were godless. They were capable of extremely cruel and barbaric acts against human life. It was going to be bloody. I think of some of the stories that we hear coming out of Mosul this last week. And ISIS is being kicked out of that place. The atrocities that are being committed. They're coming across mass graves. Hundreds and hundreds of men, women, and children have been decapitated. People are being crucified. Last week, 40 male citizens were shot dead in the street and their bodies were hung from electricity poles. A man was reportedly shot dead in public for ignoring an ISIS ban on using mobile phones. Atrocious, brutal people. This is sort of the people that Joshua will be facing. And Joshua knew firsthand all the threats. He knew the dangers. For you see, 40 years earlier, he was one of the 12 spies who went in to spy the promised land. How many of you remember that story in scripture? He went in and he surveyed the land. And they came back with a great report. Yep, this is a great land. Flows with milk and honey. The fruit is awesome. But the armies in that land are terrible. There's giants in the land. There were giant soldiers in the land, like Goliath. The cities that they were going to attack were fortified cities. The spies saw a bunch of cities completely surrounded by walls. The spies came back and said, yeah, they got fortified cities and the walls around their cities, well, they reached to the heavens. Joshua was at the top of that mountain looking at this place and he's thinking, I'm going to send my men into that. How? And there he is at the top, and he's looking at target number one, Jericho. Jericho is where God has commanded them to go first. Jericho was probably the most intimidating city in the land. Surrounded by huge walls, some historians believe double walls. We know that they already were aware of the Israelites. They were prepared for the invasion of the Israelites. They have secured up the city of Jericho. The Israelites have no siege engines, no battering rams, no catapults, no moving towers. You know what they have? Slings, arrows, spears, swords. How do you get into a city with weapons like that? Joshua is facing the impossible. He's thinking to himself, I'm going to send my people into a suicide mission. This is where he's at. Suddenly, he's joined by a stranger. An extremely strange stranger. 
Look what we read. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, verse 13, that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his left hand. Not his left hand, in his hand. He was probably right-handed. I don't know. (laughs) And Joshua went to him and said to him, I love this, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he, the stranger, said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. That's an interesting answer. Did he answer the question? Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. It's very clear from this text, that this stranger was no ordinary man. He may have looked like a man, but he was not an ordinary man. And Joshua, I think, picked up on that very quickly. It's also very clear from the text here that this stranger was not an angel. This was not an angel. Joshua falls down before this man in worship. In the scripture, angels never receive worship. In the scripture, whenever a human being bows before an angel to worship, the angel says, get up. Don't you dare worship me. This stranger was no mere man. This stranger was no angel. Bible scholars believe that this is an example of what they call a theophany. Or more specifically, a Christophany. This is a appearance of God the Son. In the Old Testament. This is Jesus. Pre-Bethlehem. Pre-Mary. Pre-Christmas. Pre-incarnation. God the Son showed up. And can you imagine the awe and wonder of Joshua? When it finally clicked, this is God in the appearance of man standing before me. And folks, I want you to notice some details about Jesus in this text. I think this is a picture of Jesus that we need to keep fixed firmly in our minds. This is a strong, powerful picture of Christ. You know, there are a lot of folks who only think of Jesus as the infant wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in Bethlehem. That's how they see Jesus, the little baby. Guess what? He grew up. There are others who see Jesus even in his ministry, in his public ministry, and they sort of see Jesus as, you know, the tender, gentle meek and mild man who walked around and talked about flowers and birds and peace and love. Listen, Jesus is tender. Jesus is gentle. Jesus is meek. Jesus is mild. 
Jesus is also a warrior. Jesus is a mighty warrior. Very powerful. He's called here the commander. The general. And you notice that he's commander with sword drawn. You know what that means? Combat readiness. Jesus Christ is a warrior. He he battles the forces of darkness. He will wipe out the enemies. Keep this picture in your mind, folks. This is how you're going to see Jesus when he comes again. Do you realize when Jesus comes the second time, he comes like this? John the Apostle tells us what the second coming of Christ will look like. In Revelation 19, John says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on a white horse. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of of lords. Don't you ever forget this picture of Christ. He's mighty. He's powerful. He's just. And when he comes again, you better be on his side. Notice also that he's called the commander of the army of the Lord. What army? What army is Jesus in charge of? The angelic army. There are millions and millions, myriads and myriads of angelic warriors that Jesus is in charge of. Very strong, very powerful. Folks, an angel is not one that you want to trifle with. In fact, there's a story in 2 Kings chapter 19 where Hezekiah, he's the uh, leader of Judah. He's the king of Judah. And he's been surrounded by the Assyrians in the city of Jerusalem. King Sennacherib of the Assyrians has sent thousands of troops and they've surrounded the city of Jerusalem and they're threatening to come in and they send a messenger in and they say, Hezekiah, you should just give up and don't depend upon your God. We're going to take you out. Hezekiah prays. Isaiah the prophet comes to Hezekiah and encourages him. Don't worry, God's going to take care of you. 
And we find out in that story that on a certain night, the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Syrians 185,000. And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, he departed. And he went away, returned home, and remained in Nineveh. One angel taking out 185,000. Listen. Jesus is powerful. And the angelic host under his control is powerful. Don't ever forget that. If you're with Jesus, you are on the side of overwhelming victory. And there are forces of evil. There are wicked beings in this universe. And one day they're going to be judged. You remember that story in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus got arrested. And all of a sudden, Peter got all brave and took out his sword. Tried to strike that one guy. Terrible shot. Missed the head, hit the ear. Jesus puts the ear back on. And then Jesus said this. Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I can now pray to my Father and he would provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus could have called angels at any moment. You know, in the garden, Jesus gave himself up. Don't forget this picture of Jesus. Notice also that Jesus is holy. He says, you're standing on holy ground, take off your sandal. The holiness of Christ. I think that's the most awesome attribute of Jesus. This holiness is what I think will strike fear in our hearts when we see him. For you see, Jesus is completely and entirely other. Pure. Innocent, spotless. We'll see him and we'll drop. And of course, who's in charge in this passage? Jesus. Who's in control of the whole situation? The commander of the Lord's army. And I love that question. Joshua, are you for us? Or are you for them? And Jesus says, no. As if to say, Joshua, you're asking the wrong question. The question isn't whether I'm with you or I'm with them. The question is, are you with me? Are you with me? See, the Lord is sovereign. He has a plan. He's in charge. Now, can you imagine how comforting this all was to Joshua? I mean, scary. But also encouraging. Joshua is now thinking, I'm not alone. I'm not really the captain. I'm not really the general. 
The Lord is. This is not impossible. The Lord is here. This is not my battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. And Joshua was thinking, you know, I don't have to take all this pressure. I don't have to be afraid. You know, really, really what I need to do is make sure that I'm on his side. Make sure that I will align my life with his will. That's awesome. Christian, we must do the same. We need to have that same attitude. You know, there may be some of you who, right now, this morning, you're overwhelmed like Joshua was at the top of that mountain. Maybe you're facing a Jericho in your life, a financial Jericho, a health Jericho, a relationship Jericho, something in your life. And maybe even as a Christian, you're overwhelmed by it. Let me remind you this morning, the commander of the Lord's army is with you. Just as he was with Joshua, so he's with you. Please don't ever forget that. And understand, I remind you this morning that he has a plan. He's in charge. He knows what he's doing. Your job is to get in line with him. Just get on board with him. Trust him. In one of the German art galleries, a painting called Cloud Lane hangs at the end of a long, dark hall. At first glance, it appears to be a huge, ugly mass of confused color that's unattractive and foreboding. But when you walk closer, when you come closer to it and get closer and closer and closer, eventually you see portrayed on the canvas an innumerable company of angels. Life can seem cloudy. Life can seem out of control. But for the Christian, we're not alone. Amen? Don't ever forget it. Jesus is in charge. He is mighty. He is with us. And I really think we need to apply that principle to this election. To what happened this last week. Gang, listen. About half our country is in mourning today. Many of them are even rioting in the streets. But then there's another half of our country that's very excited and thrilled. Some of you may be mourning. Some of you may be thrilled. Some of you may be, I don't know. Either way, either way, our loyalty is with Christ. Do you understand that? 
we recognize that Jesus is the one who's actually in charge. And our, our responsibility as Christians is to get in line with him. Now, I promise you this. Jesus is not a Democrat and Jesus is not a Republican. If you were to ask Jesus, are you with the Republicans or with the Democrats? What do you think he'd say? No. But as commander of the Lord's army, I'm here. See, the Lord Jesus Christ has his own plan. He's sovereign. He's in charge. The Bible is clear. God puts leaders in place. Regardless of how you might feel about the outcome, understand this. God puts leaders in place. Proverbs 21, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Psalm 75, exaltation comes neither from the east or from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. God has allowed Donald Trump to be president of the United States of America. We need to pray for him. Regardless of how you feel. I believe our country is at a tremendous... I think there's so many challenges that are happening. And you know what? The body of Christ better come around the president and pray for him. You know what I'm praying? I'm praying that Donald Trump will have an encounter with Christ like Joshua had with Christ. Right here. Can you imagine that? And you know what? I would pray the same thing if Hillary were elected. We need leaders in this country who will encounter Christ. Be of good cheer. Christ is in charge. And I think what Joshua does in this text, that's what we should do as we're going forward now. Number one, recognize Jesus is in charge. He's in control. Go with it. Four other things that Joshua did in this text that I think are very interesting. First, in verse 13, it says he lifted his eyes and looked up. Whenever you see that phrase in the scripture, lifting up your eyes, a lot of times it has the idea of looking up to God for help. Looking up to him for help. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We need to be doing what Josh, lifting up our eyes. What else did Joshua do? Well, he fell on his face. Face plant to the ground in worship of God. We need to be worshiping God. Joshua also submitted himself to the Lord. He says, what say you, Lord, to your servant? I'm servant, he would say. And what else did Joshua do? Well, he took off that dirty sandal. 
recognizing that he's on holy ground. That's what we must do. Trust Christ. Be looking to him for our help. Worship him no matter what. Submit our lives to him. And seek to live holy lives, taking off the dirty shoes. Following him. We can trust him. He knows what he's doing. Question to some of you. Has Jesus become your captain? Is he your Lord? Something very interesting about General Jesus. He is very strong and he is very mighty. But before you'll meet him as General Jesus, you can meet him as Savior. Jesus. Did you know that Jesus Christ is a general who gave his life? For sinners. Most generals ask their soldiers to be willing to give their lives for him. General Jesus gave his life for us. He came. He died on the cross for our sins and he rose again. You can know him. You can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Have all of your sins forgiven. Become his child. You get on his side. I invite you to do that if you've never done that. I entitled this message, O Captain, My Captain. That's a famous poem. Written by Walt Whitman, 1865. It was about President Lincoln. It was written after his assassination. The nation mourned the assassination of that great man. There's a greater man. The Lord Jesus. Who came and willingly gave his life for us. Is he your captain? Is he your captain? Are you trusting him? Father, help us to trust you. Help us to hold on to you. Lord, remind us as your people that no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances, we're on your side. And being on your side is the place of overwhelming victory. I pray that we would live our lives accordingly. Lord, I pray for your healing upon this nation. Lord, we do pray for President-elect Trump. Surround him. Lord, specifically, I'd like to pray for Vice President-elect Mike Pence, who we know, we know he knows you. What a strategic place you've put that man in at this point. 
Use him. Lord, as your people, help us to see life through the filter of being your people. May we never lose sight of your power and your sovereignty. And then, Lord, I'd like to pray for anyone here this morning who does not know you. That may be you here this morning. You don't know Captain Jesus. Perhaps you didn't even know that you could know him. You can know him. You can become a member of his family. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short from the glory of God and our sin separates us from God. Who is holy? We need to have all of our sins forgiven. And Jesus came and offered his life. He died for our sins and rose again. And if you place your faith in him, all of your sins are forgiven. And he comes into your life. You become holy in the eyes of God. And he is absolutely available right now to you. It is it is a miracle. It is, it's called being born again. Becoming a brand new creation. If that's you, if you've never received Christ, I want to lead you in that prayer right now. Right there where you are, you cry out to Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, be my Savior. Take my life. Wash away all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Rising again. I want to be on your side. In your kingdom. Take my life. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing a last song together. And if you prayed to receive Christ, you are invited to come forward and share that with one of the leaders up here. Don't leave without sharing that with